Welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash Podcast. Uh, I'm Paul Daly, and this is my good friend. I'm Rick Kaiser. Rick Kaiser, <laughs> and really, really glad to be here. You know, I when I watch other podcasts or I listen to other podcasts, I feel like um, maybe they carve out an entire day and do these things, and you know, it's these really slick, polished, professional productions, and. Um, and then I find myself like stepping out of the midst of a crazy busy day with work and like, oh, shoot, I got to get to the podcast. But uh, we're here and we do it. And I absolutely love this time. I know I do, too. It's kind of my uh, uh, my happy place on Friday through, through the week, looking forward, thinking about it, praying about it. And then, yeah, it's a, it's like a breath of fresh air. So, yeah. Yeah, and I found myself, you know, you and I were chatting before we uh, started recording and uh, found myself just kind of tired from the just, it's been a super busy week, mm -hmm. um, you know, work stress and things with family and friends and, you know, just life. I mean, it's not anything outside of what anybody else has experienced. And right. and I certainly am aware that the, the things that I'm going through probably don't even hold a candle to things that other people experience. But then, man, as soon as we start recording, it's like, I just, uh -huh. I love this. I come alive and I feel good. Right. And I love talking about the kingdom of God. I love reading through scripture. And yeah. to be able to do that with you, you've, you know, said it many times. We've been friends for 25 years. And to be able to do this with you was a real honor. So, well, Likewise, I feel the same exact way. <clears throat> and uh, I, yeah. I was looking the other day. We have a bunch of these uh, podcasts on the Cosmic Car Wash. Then I started thinking about the Four Corners, and then I started thinking about the Warrior Poets. We have to have what would uh, 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 we're sixty plus now. With every well on yeah. just the Cosmic Car Wash. I think with the Cosmic Car Wash, we're uh, closing in on fifty. So yeah, well, we'll yeah, maybe then with. We, I, I would, I would think we would be close to a hundred, because we, we did the four corners for quite some time. We did, yeah. And then we did when we first started, we were just the warrior poets, and then didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Briefly. We started out the four corners with the warrior poets, and we had Wally was on as a guest. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I think what I'll do at some point is uh, try to bring those videos over and make like a separate uh, playlist or something, you know, with. Call them the dusty archives. Yeah, something like that. You know, the classics. You know. There you go. So yeah, yeah. It's you start looking, and we yeah we've uh, we've put some uh, miles and video behind us, which is kind of cool. It is. So, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe someday uh, people will say we're overnight sensations, and we can just sit no, we weren't. And laugh <laughs> that there is no such thing as an overnight sensation. No, there is not, man. But uh, and we say it all the time too. Ultimately, our desire is not that anybody would remember us, but man, if we can get people right. into and connected to the kingdom of God and passionate yeah. about serving the King of Kings and just excited about the great renewal and the Eden yes. that is now and is on its way, we'll have done our mission, man. Abs yes, absolutely. And even through our daily devotions, is how you know we invite a lot of people and. You know, people come and go, um, but it's nice when, you know, you can almost see and hear the click, yeah. you know, and, and people, wow. And 
like us, you know, we had, it's right been there all along from the very beginning. Yeah. But uh, when you see it for the first time, it is life changing. It yeah. truly is. And uh, for the good. Yeah. For the you know, I remember as a, a, I think I was maybe 12 years old, 11 or 12 years old. Um, I got glasses for the first time. And it was at the Walmart in Sedalia, Missouri. Yeah. The Vision Center there. And I still remember walking out of the Vision Center with my brand new glasses on and looking around Walmart at all the signs and the people and everything and was just amazed at how crystal clear everything was. It had been there all along. It was just, I was a different person. And that's how I feel like with the kingdom of God and with the message of the great renewal of like, yeah, this has been here forever. And now I'm, I'm discovering it for the first time. And I'm so excited. I feel like, has anybody else heard about this? Oh my gosh. I know that's a really great story. A great analogy. Um, and I can't open no matter where I open in the Bible, whether it's, yep. you know, in the old Testament, back in that, those dusty archives or in the new Testament, Eden is that golden thread woven from the first page to the last. Yep. And you can't unsee it. I love it. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about this, and then we can jump into kind of the core of, of the episode is uh, for so long, I saw God as an angry, surly curmudgeon. Yep. And I was just, you know, one slip up away from being, uh, what did uh, you say in Bruce Almighty? Smite me, mighty smiter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt like that, but man, the other day, uh, we were reading through Exodus and it was a comment that Joey had posted in our group text, um, where God said, and no man will see my face. Nobody can see my face and live. And I always thought, you know, that was like God keeping us at an arm's distance. And with what we understand now about who God has always been and his plan to bring, his space and our space back together the way that uh, the folks over at the Bible project describe it. I saw that not as a prohibition, like nobody can see me and live, but as an invitation, like God is, is wooing us to want to cry out for more of him and to willingly I'll give up my life because seeing God face to face is way right. more important. So he's just, he's always been that good, good father who doesn't keep us at an arm's distance, but he wants close, intimate fellowship with us. Yes. Yeah. He wants to be with his creation. I, yeah, I remember that. That was a, that was a good day. It was a good devotion. And I remember thinking and, and writing that maybe, maybe we look at that from the wrong perspective is that um, you can't see his face and live. Um, maybe it, it means that we you can't see his face and continue to live as you, the way that you are that yeah. it demands change yeah and um and seeing his face will i mean will i mean there's no you don't get a choice you change or you die yeah you know and it's not you're right it's not this fury you know and this this, yeah, this traumatic, traumatic fury from a furious and angry God. It's it's his character, the purity of his holy. He is so pure that anything impure is just completely dissolved. It's yeah. just gone. It doesn't exist. There's not even ash. It's not even a vapor. It's just completely obliterated. Yeah. And um, 
that's, you know, I mean, again, just some abstract thinking. Yeah. And if, if that's the case, I want to see his face. <laughs> yes. Yes. Same, same. All Absolutely. Right. So we're calling this one uh, Favorite Verse Friday. And you guys, you got you got to say it this way. Welcome to Favorite Verse Friday here at the Cosmic Car Wash. I can't follow that. Ah. So, yeah. <laughs> this is how an announcer talks. All right. With your hosts, Paul Daly and Rick Kaiser. <laughs> Favorite Verse Friday. Yeah. Right. Yes. I've been yeah, dying. Also, normally something will kind of bubble up for us in the week or two leading up to an episode, but uh, this time it just didn't. You know, there was nothing really in particular that was sticking out. And so when you suggested, how about a favorite verse Friday, the, the analogy that came to mind is like, well, that's like choosing between fresh Maine lobster and Wagyu beef. Like, how do you pick a favorite verse? How do I pick? You have both. <laughs> right so i'm having a burger with lobster on it that's what's going on yeah. yum yeah so uh so yeah and we haven't shared with one another uh what each of our favorite verses are so this is going to be really like in the moment so yeah why don't you go ahead and start i'd love to hear what yours is and uh well, well I'll, I'll do my best here on Favorite First Friday at the Cosmic Car Wash. Um, FBF. You know, what's that? FBF, yeah. FBF. You know, I thought about this, Paul, and I and I found myself grabbing, you know, air and straw and thinking of all. You know, I mean, I, I got saved in 1987, and um, uh, you know, I, and I've often said, told you that. <clears throat> I have seldom been the Christian I promised I would be, but he has always been the savior he promised he would be. Yes, and, you know, through all of my blunders and, and indiscretions, here we are preaching the gospel. <clears throat> so I, I have heard a lot of those one-liner bumper sticker um, T-shirt, pla you know, plaque at the office, scripture, favorite verses. And I was thinking about some of those and thinking about some of the ones that, you know, were just kind of uh, very uh, common and um, popular that a lot of people. So I, I started thinking, you know, like scriptures, like um, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. That gets really tossed around a lot, like a midget at a frat party. And uh, no offense to any uh, midgets that, uh, that are, maybe yes. So my apologies if I'm not, uh, politically correct, but I don't really care. It's funny. It's funny. It is funny. Okay. So, uh, you know, that's Matthew 18, 20. And, um, and, and that's, I hear that a lot. And I used to say that and kind of cling to those things, but in context, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, um, when someone is in sin, you know, you have to go and tell him his fault. If you read it in context and start with 15, 18, 15, uh, through uh, chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, uh, Jesus is instructing his disciples on what they must do when a brother or sister falls out of grace, sins, and uh, you must go and tell them. And basically what it's saying is, I am among you. I am among two or three because you had to have two or three witnesses. Right. So, and um, Philippians, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's writing this from prison. Right. You know, um, 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelations 3.20. And that's been a great evangelism. The Lord's knocking on your heart today. That was written to seven churches. Right. You know, that Paul was very familiar with that were literally in the the heart and soul of uh, Caesar's kingdom. And there was a lot of persecution. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure that they do speak to some people, but I, I, I'm a context guy. I got to have, you know. Yeah, a text without context is just simply text. So we, you have to have context to truly, you know, really bite into this. Uh, and the other one that I, is the one that Jeremiah, and of course it didn't print all of it. So we'll just cut that, cut that out later. So anyway, I, I um, oh gosh, there was another one. Uh, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will God pour it into your bosom? I, I that was one of mine. You know, I quoted it all the time. Well, then you start looking in context. It has nothing to do with money. It has to do with judgment. It has to do with mercy and judgment and how you treat other people. And if you're kind and graceful and gracious and forgiving, that's what comes back to you. Yep. So. Yeah, so that ruled that one out because I can't read the Bible now without looking in context. Why? Who? Who's get, Who's being spoken to? Who is speaking? Why are they saying what they're saying? And and how does it apply? And uh, you know, I often say that the Bible was not written to us, but it's written for us. Yes. So I have I came to the conclusion that my favorite verse is whatever we're reading at the moment, I, and it is. I'm, okay. My favorite verse starts on page one and it runs all the way through to the last verse in Revelation because I can't unsee the message of Eden and I can't, there are so many, um, encur there's so much encouragement and there's so many cautionary tales. And um, so <clears throat> I started thinking just over the last few days this week as we're working in the devotions, you and I are um, going through the Bible again every day, second year in a row. And, and, you know, we've done, we did this just last year and, and it amazes me how it's still fresh and there's still different things. I see things again that I never saw. Yeah. And so to, I really, I just grabbed two, um, verses. Uh, the one of them is, uh, Mark ten fifty about the blind guy throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. That's beautiful. Like it. Yep. Yeah. And, and people might, might go, well, that's a favorite verse. Well, when you, again, when you look at it in context and you start to get into the details, it's just the fact that the guy's blind and he's sitting on the side of the road with his cloak. And there's, that's such an operative word there, throwing his cloak aside. That cloak was everything. It was his coat. It was his picnic blanket. It was a, a bag that he could put stuff in. Probably um, a pillow for... Right. Yeah. And, you know, to cover up at night when he was sleeping to stay warm. So that cloak was everything to him. And he threw it aside. It was all he had a blanket to sleep at night, a coat to keep him warm and a pouch to keep any pittance he received from begging. It was literally all he had a security blanket. Hmm. I wonder if his friends called him Linus. In comparison to the rich man, the beggar was willing to forsake his dependence on anything and to trust Jesus. And this is, again, in context, this story, I can't remember where it is in, in the, uh, whether it's before or after, but the rich man that came to Jesus and said, 
you know, what must I do? And um, Jesus said, sell what you have and give to the poor and follow me. And we've had this discussion before. A lot of people thought that Jesus was telling him to sell everything you have, give it all away and follow, be poor and follow me. That's not what he was saying. Again, it's the culture and, uh, and it turns a lot of people off. But really, all he wanted him to do was to give some of it to the poor. 20% would have been very generous in that time. So he could have sold all he had and walked, followed Jesus with 80% of his income. And, uh, but it wasn't the income that kept him. It was his, um, it was his heart. It was his prestige. It was his standing, his position, his, his social standing. Yeah. And um, instead he's the one that walked away blind and sad where the blind guy walked away rich and yeah. could have, you know, could have followed Jesus, but he, that he left that coat, that cloak, that, that piece of material. He walked away from that because that's who he used to be. So he walked away from who he used to be. The rich man could not walk away from who he was. Right. And, um, and I, and I wrote that, uh, I've, I've left, and we both have, we've left many dirty coats and blankets behind. Some I've gone back to pick up. And, uh, you know, even today, I, I still have old blankets and old coats that got to go. And, and I trust and believe that they will. But because I refuse to walk away sad, I refuse to walk away from the great renewal, from the King of Kings, from the yeah. promise of eternity, from living forever in Eden for an old coat for an old blanket, for an old wallet. And um, uh, I, it comes back to hands wide open. I do have another one, but I think it's your turn. I'll yeah, take it. No, well, I just would love to reflect on that for a few minutes because as yes. I'm listening to you talk, man, so many other things from scripture are coming out. I thought first about um, when Jesus was standing in the synagogue, watching people put their money, you know, in the offering plate or whatever. Um, and the, the widow who came and gave, you know, two mites, which was, you know, fractions of a penny. And right. he told his disciples that she had given more than the rich people because she gave everything she had out of her poverty. But they had given a small part of their of their right. wealth. And it's this whole thing of like, how much is the kingdom of God worth to you? Wow. Um, and then I thought of... Um, the tax collector who came and prayed to God uh, compared to the Pharisee, you know, the tax collector came and said, you know, he wouldn't even like come close to the, the altar. He just stood at a distance and, you know, cried and said, God, I'm an unworthy sinner, you know, have mercy on me compared to the Pharisee who said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men or even like this sinful tax collector. Wow. <laughs> Jesus said the tax collector went away justified, not the Pharisee. It's a complete reversal Right. Everything that they knew to be true or they thought to be true from their culture. You know, Peter kind of speaking for the rest of the disciples said, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. I mean, yep. their their cloak or their, you know, their garment was their businesses, their reputation, yep. their, you know, like they were traveling, you know, preachers and students and they they didn't have a place to settle down every night. And they depended on, you know, apparently there was a group of wealthy women that 
you know, help support Jesus and his ministry, but they gave up everything to follow Jesus. And you're a hundred percent right that it all comes back to, you know, living with open hands that if I grab a hold of what I think is mine, if I grab a hold of my life and refuse to give it up and walk away sad, mm -hmm. I miss the blessing. I miss the, like, to say that it's an overwhelming, like incomparable reward for God to give us the kingdom is there's just no words to sum it up, you know, to be given all of heaven and earth, you know, as our possession. You know, wow. When we open our hands and say, God, you can have everything that I have, everything that I am, I'm holding nothing back. And right. I think the Psalm says that, that, you know, uh, you or it says you open your hands and satisfy the needs of every living thing. God wow. has opened His hands to us, and that's all He's asking. That's beautiful for us to open our hands. So mm -hmm. I absolutely love that verse. And yeah, it's it's amazing when you start to understand it in context. It's more than just a coat, right? It's, it's it was it was, uh, it was His identity. It was yeah. His security blanket. And then, but uh, Jesus says. Uh, they, yeah, we've talked about this. He says that uh, those of you who've left families and businesses and careers and, yeah. and you know, every, those of you who have left everything will receive back a hundredfold. So, yeah. you know, looking at that, what, is, what does he mean? We're get, they're going to get it back. Everything that you give up for the kingdom, you, you'll get back and yes. even more here in the great renewal yes. and so all yeah all those disciples that the guy that walked away sad that's that's all they got yeah whereas the yeah you know, i don't know if it was blind bartimaeus son of timaeus in this uh verse possibly but he did he walked away seeing yeah. um yeah he did not walk away sad and all it took was all he had to give up was his coat yeah so that's but, such a dichotomy. Like all he had to give up was everything like, yeah, but in light of what he got was his everything really that much. Yeah. It's, I guess it's easy. The more that you have, the easier it looks to give up a coat, a blanket, you know, an old wallet. But when all you, that's all you have, that's you're giving up everything. Yeah. So really, you have to look at it from that perspective. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, in our country, man, we, we have a lot. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. I have a whole closet full of coats. Yeah, I'll give up a coat, mm -hmm. two coats, three coats. I got more. That's all right. <laughs> but would I walk away from everything right now? Yeah. So, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, he didn't walk away from his m money. He that's not what kept him. It was his heart. Right. It was, it was the, the position standing. It was the social standing. It was the thrill of business and working. And, you know, uh, his identity was wrapped up in that. He was more uh, concerned with his identity than being able to uh, completely let go of who he was. Yeah. And that's hard for some people. When I first got saved, I uh, I was the lead singer in a rock and roll band. I was a big fish in a little pond. We played all over Illinois and over in Indiana, and and had a lot of fun. You know, um, it wasn't 
certainly we weren't playing for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, we're just having fun, making some money. And um, so when I got saved, I walked away from that. And we were, I mean, we were a popular band. A lot of people followed us. We always had a full crowd wherever we went. Um, and I was the front man. I was the lead singer, dude. And uh, um, I, I, I walked away from it. I quit. And it was very, very lonely. Um, and I tell you what, I turned a lot of heads. People thought I lost my mind. They, they did. But I never went back to that. I mean, I I could have turned around, and, but I knew that I couldn't. I knew that I would not have survived. I would have not have, I would have not, you know, set that foundation, I guess. And so I did, I stuck it out, toughed it out, got involved in church, got involved in prison ministry, whatever I could do to kind of solidify that decision. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a long time ago, you know, I met you, um, and here, here we are. So it's been a journey. And what's interesting is that when you, well, the scripture says, when you lose yourself, you'll find yourself. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So. That's the, uh, the upside down nature, I guess, or the right yeah. side up nature of the kingdom of God of the first will be last and the rich will be poor and the meek will inherit the earth. Jesus came and turned everything on its head and the people that gave up everything got way more in return. Absolutely. Than they gave up. All right, so let's let's hear your verse. Yeah, so um, I'm kind of simplistic. Um, I did pick a few verses that just you know during different periods of my life, right, uh, really meant something to me. Uh, still do, um, and I am a lot like you. I, if I can be a little honest, you know, when we started uh, to read through the Bible for the second time in a row together, uh, there were some books that I at first looked at like. Oh man, we're going to have to get through that book again. But yes. then I get into it and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, well right. now I see how this ties to this and you know what God's really trying to show us here ties over to this verse and it does. It comes alive again. So yeah. um if it's any consolation, I thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, Leviticus, here we go. I know. Exactly. Like a yawn. <laughs> Right. But you're right. It comes alive. It comes alive. Yeah. So, um, but the, the first verse on my hit list here, um, it was probably six months or a year ago now. Um, sometimes I just randomly will wake up at, you know, the middle of the night, 2 a.m. and lay there with just the epic mind swirl of right. know, thoughts. And uh, that happened to me as it does. And so, uh, in an attempt to try to, you know, rein in my my thoughts, because I've learned to not trust that mind swirl at 2 a.m. The things that feel so weighty and important in the light right. of day are not as much. But uh, in an attempt to to kind of focus my thoughts, I uh, opened up the Uversion app on my phone and started reading through the Psalms. Uh, and just kind of randomly went to Psalm 37. And when I got to Psalm 37, mm. verses 23 and 24, it was like the Holy Spirit said, stop. 
Wow. And I got stuck on those two verses. I literally, I'm not exaggerating. I probably read them a hundred times in a row. Um, and a year hmm. later, I can still recite it from memory from the New Living Translation, Psalm 20, 37, verses 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. And I, I couldn't get past that. I had just over and over and hmm. over, I read it. And the thing that amazed me, like, Proverbs says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart or commit everything you do to the Lord and he'll direct your steps. But it was when I got to, he delights in every detail of my life. Wow. Because I spent my whole life feeling like I was just a disappointment to God, to the people that I love, to my employer. Just, I don't know where that came from. Um, maybe sometime I'll sit in hours of therapy and diagnose it to the nth degree, but <clears throat> I just felt like a disappointment. And to read that, it set me free. Wow. Like he delights in every detail of my life. And it reminds me that there's nothing from my life, no matter how dark, how bad, how far away from God I feel like I was or how bad I messed up. There's nothing that God can't redeem. Nothing. Wow. Can't redeem. And I saw that again this morning as we were reading through Exodus that um, they were starting to construct the tabernacle and collecting all of the uh, gold and silver and, you know, animal skins and beautiful thread and yarn and to, you know, to make all the uh, different pieces of the tabernacle that would eventually mm -hmm. house the literal presence of God, the fire and the cloud on earth. And I thought, well, where did they get all that? Like that silver and gold and bronze, they were right. slaves in Egypt, but they they ransacked Egypt before they left. Right. And took the wealth of the Egyptians. It says that they plundered the Egyptians. And I thought, I started to just kind of let my mind go a little bit. I'm like, well, you know, the Egyptians, as far as we know, I mean, they worshiped other gods. And, you know, so... And kind of my creative writing about that, I thought, well, maybe at some point, you know, that gold and silver had been, you know, given as an offering to a false god, to an idol, or maybe it was payment for some unsavory deed that was done. But here it's being redeemed and used for the glory of God to construct the tabernacle of God. And I just thought, that's my life. God delights in every detail and he redeems every single part of my life. And then just the encouragement that I'm going to stumble. Let's just acknowledge that we all stumble. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's another, you know, famous mm -hmm. verse that likes to get right. trapped out is the Romans road. Um, yes. There's when we hold God by the hand and he holds us by the hand, we'll stumble, but we're not going to fall because he holds us by the hand. I just, I absolutely love that verse. He directs wow. our steps. He delights in every detail of our lives and he holds us by the hand. Absolutely amazing. That's beautiful. Wow. Okay, that's my new favorite verse too now. <laughs> right. That's, just that's really like, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's what I mean. You can't, it's hard to settle on one. If you ask me two weeks from now, my favorite verses, it would be something different than these. Completely different. Yep. So, yeah, that I, that, I like that. That really, 
bless me, man. Thank you. And yeah. the other, yeah, my second one is, uh, again, these aren't something you'd find on a t-shirt or hanging on a plaque behind a desk in somebody's office or, you know, on a picture in someone's living room. It's from Exodus 36 two. It just intrigues me. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. And it's just, there's so much packed into that sentence, yeah. you know, skilled people, uh, God given abilities, but they had to be willing. And, um, you know, and if, you know, the first thing I thought of was Michael Jordan. And then I thought of Walter Payton and guys yeah. who had, they had, they would have been given God given abilities and talents, but they had to hone them. Yeah. They just didn't get up, you know, watch TV and eat Cheetos all day and then go out and dominate. I mean, they worked hard yeah. uh, that, you know, they, everything that they did was to that end. And, um, so I, you know, and I thought of, you know, every time that, uh, I see really talented musicians and, um, I, my first thought I'm inspired. I talented and gifted people who really strive for that. To me, they're very inspirational. They inspire me. I see yeah. a great guitar player. I want to go practice. I, uh, I uh, read a, a book by a gifted writer that just really has incredible command of the English language. And I want to write and, and immediately my imagination is sparked. You know, I eat food from an incredible chef. Yes. After I wake up from my nap, I want to cook, you know? <laughs> right. And, and when I hear a really incredible sermon, dude, I want to preach. Yeah. Yep. And, and the funny thing is, is that when these demo, these devotions that we're doing and, and, you know, we always read each other's and I'm telling you, you know, I'm not, you know, being a prophet or anything, but we are, we're getting ready to preach. I just know it. I feel it in my bones. Yeah. I I can't look at the word anymore and not see a sermon and not yeah. see something that I can build. And this is, was one of those, uh, Bezalel intrigues me to no end because he was just a guy like you and I, but he had gifts and he had skills and these people had a choice. Um, God given ability, but they had who was willing to come and do the work. So some of them, very skilled and, you know, incredible craftsmen. Um, you know, you guys take care of it. I got stuff to do. I got 12 kids and, and a tent I got to set up every time the cloud moves and, you know, <laughs> a, you know, a crotchy old woman, um, you know, I mean, just whatever they had to be willing to do it. Yeah. I know talented people. Oh gosh, I can think of a musician right now who, shall remain nameless, very gifted, just great instincts, but just half-hearted. And uh, I've said a lot, I'll take somebody with half the talent and all the passion over somebody with all the talent and half the passion. Because the passion is, I think, is more important. Still, you got to have some skill level. Right. But um, yeah, they're the ones that are going to work hard and stay late. And uh, so... Um, he was a very highly skilled and gifted man. He built, he built the Ark of the Covenant out of an estimated two and a half million people. He has chosen, he has chosen. <laughs> I think of a uh, toy story when the minions are, yeah, you've been, you've been chosen. 
the claw, the claw, you know, first thing that popped in my head, man, he was chosen. <laughs> so yeah. And an and honor. And you know, the guy poured his heart and soul into it over every detail it had to be perfect. I wonder if he stopped, you know, no, nope. take it all apart. Start over again. It's not good enough because it's, it's going to God. It's excellent. Yeah. And I think that everything that we do and we do for the Lord and do for the kingdom of God should be approached from that perspective. We can't be half-hearted. If we're going to do it, it has to be with incredible excellence. And we finally, it was done. It was finished. And when it was ordained, he never got to touch it again. And yet his fingerprints were all over it, Paul. That was him. That was a piece of his heart and soul, a piece of his story, a piece of his life, a piece of his skill. And his yeah. giftings that, you know, he couldn't look at it without thinking of, oh, gosh, I remember when I did that. I put those engravings in there. And, well, yeah, that was hard getting those corners so perfect. Every time he looked at it, every time the priest lifted the on the poles and that was, you know, and I'm sure he didn't look with this kid. Hey, 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 Jedediah, see it? Yeah. yeah, your dad made that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That looks good. And uh, as gifted and talented as he was, um, he believed 10 cowards over two gallant believers. And he followed, the, he followed the crowd instead of the cloud. And he never went into the land of promise. Yeah, talk a little more about that for maybe people that aren't familiar with what you're talking about. Because I think that's a really profound observation. Uh, well, he made the Ark of the Covenant. This is when Israel was in the desert and they were wandering in the wilderness and uh, they ended up wandering for 40 years. And uh, Moses had sent 12 spies into the land of promise. They were ready to go. Boom. They were there. It was a short trip, short journey. And um, so he sent them to spy out the land and the 12 came back and they brought a cluster of grapes, grapes, you know, big as volleyballs. That's how I imagine it. Mean, just you, one grape could feed a family of four. You know, what do we have in grape? <laughs> so <laughs> slice me off a hunk of that grape. And, uh, you know, uh, Caleb and Joshua, they were stoked. They were excited. Let's go. Let's go. And the other 10 were like, mama. <laughs> they weren't going. <laughs> no, mama. They're giants. And so they didn't. And God said, this generation's not going to see the the promised land, those what 20 or younger would. Well, obviously Bezalel was older than 20. And, you know, I mean, he could have stood up. My gosh, his fingerprints were all over the sanctuary. Right. You know, the, the, the Eden in the desert, he built it. And yeah, all over it. And he saw the, the glory of God come down and fill the temple and, and rest over the ark. I mean, that was all his, it had to have been something that moved in him, you know, something that should have been extremely humbling, but he made a choice to believe the cowards over, over the champions, over the, 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 these gallant men who they went into the land of promise. Joshua and Caleb went. Yeah, they were old men, but they made it in. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They were old guys, but they went in and they fought. Caleb yeah. fought. You know, what a beast. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, you know, could have been 60, 70 years old, man. He's out there waylaying, you yeah. know. Yeah, and that, to me, that's just awesome. So th that, to me, is such a cautionary tale about clinging to our past accomplishments, the yeah. things that we've done before. And, you know, it's funny, Paul, that you asked me to share that. I was praying this morning on the porch, 
and I was praying for the church around the world, you know, the universal church and, and all the believers and uh, that God would begin to truly move and, and, and begin to gather, you know, the lost, the lonely, the broken, the forgotten, the, the uh, marginalized, the, the rejects, yeah. those people, the addicts, um, the failures, the forgotten, and all of those people to, to bring them in and that the unlikely would become the likely, the unexpected would become the, the ordinary would become the extraordinary. And I started thinking about that in light of the story and that how many people have been sitting in church for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And, um, you know, their, their, their favorite spot, that's their spot. And everybody in that church knows you don't sit there because, you know, Old brother, old brother, old brother Jedediah sits there. Been sitting there for forty-five years. We got a plaque on it, you know, and uh, um, and so what happens when that those people come in, you know, that are tatted up with long hair and but they're stoked, you know, the Lonnie Frisbees and yeah. and just the you know people that look wild don't look like you know the normal the norm. And they come in and they begin to host revival. And I felt like the Lord said, those are going to be the people. Those are the last who will become first. Mm. You know, yeah. the ordinary becoming extraordinary, yeah. you know, because I've always wondered, everybody prays for revival, but no one wants to pay for it. And there is a cost there for is. revival. But what we want, what the church tends to want is uh, like what Bezalel, well, we, we built this. You know, why don't we get a piece of it? Well, you can't follow your accomplishments. You can't follow the crowd. You got to follow the cloud. And um, somebody, you know, if it, if it does, if it blows up in the church and there's just incredible moves of God and people are getting saved and delivered and healed and people are being fed and miraculous things are happening and there's just demonstration after demonstration of the power and the presence and the kindness and goodness and generosity of our good, good father. There's going to have to be people there to unlock the door. There's going to have to be people there to stay late. There's going to have to be people there on a Tuesday afternoon willing to pray for people and host this and, and see what I'm saying. And, and I thought to myself, I'll do it. I've got nothing better to do. I will do that. But I think that those people that those that are coming in late are, those are the ones I'm telling you that you won't be able they won't leave. Yeah. They'll stay because that's all they want is more and more and more of God. And the whole scripture, the verse of, you know, the workers that came early and the ones that came at the end of the day and they got the same pay. And the ones that were there all day were like, they were upset. They were indignant. You know, hey, what's going on? We've been here all day. Right. You know, this is what we agreed upon. So um, that I, I, I saw that this morning as I was praying and I was thinking of Bezalel and and again, to me, it's a cautionary tale to to cause some introspection in our own lives. And what are you know what are some of the things that I cling to, you know, the things that I've done in the past. You know, I talk, often talk about prison ministry, and I uh, spent five years doing that. But that was yesterday. What am I doing now? Right. What am I doing today? What am I going to do tomorrow? So we cannot live on yesterday's accomplishments. Yeah. Otherwise, we end up wandering in the desert. The one never 
you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know where that's going to go, but I, uh, I would rather cross the Jordan than uh, stay in the desert because I made a chest. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I hope that was a, a good enough explanation. I feel like I've dominated this whole thing and I apologize. No, this is good stuff, man. I think it's, uh, this probably we're up about, uh, coming up on 44 minutes or so and uh, probably a good place to wrap it. But, um, what I hope for out of this, as I was, you know, listening to you talk is I hope people are, um, appreciating these verses in particular, but I hope it motivates people to get back into the word and re-examine some of those favorite verses that you have or go in there and see what else right. God wants to show you um, and what verses can come alive and absolutely dig into the context and study. Scripture isn't meant to just be read a couple times, glossed over, and then, you know, okay, check the box. I did that for today. Right. All scripture is meditation literature. Yeah. You know, whether it's poetry or prose or prophecy or it's, you know, apocalyptic literature, it's all meant to be meditated on. And, and I love the way, and I know you do too, the way that uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins over at the Bible Project, it is one continuous story that leads to Jesus. I love it. Everything is written to reveal God. And uh, there's not a single scripture that's left out. God is not arbitrary. He didn't just randomly, you know, put things in the word. You know, like these, these words were carefully recorded and maintained and protected for thousands of years, you know, by some really faithful, incredibly intelligent, um, studious people, uh, men and women alike, you know, who helped to put this together. And so I hope that people will go and read, look at scripture again. And those verses that you have memorized, maybe their favorite childhood verses or something right. that you heard in Sunday school a long time ago that you can't quite remember where it is like you know there's tons of resources out there online we use the heck out mm -hmm. of uh the uversion bible app um i mean there's lots of other resources that you know we could point you to as well um, keener's commentary keener's commentary is excellent yes. um the bible project it's a nonprofit out oh. of uh, portland oregon has tons of free resources, their whole mission. Mm -hmm. It's a nonprofit. Their whole mission is to make everything that they produce free for public consumption, um, yeah. which I think is just awesome. Absolutely I know. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the things that will meet them in Eden, those kind yes. of things. And I love that. I yeah. love it. They've probably touched more lives than they realize. But yeah, you're right. That's excellent. And, you know, I like what you said about going back to those favorite childhood verses you know, and that is a great place to start, Paul, because you can go back to that favorite childhood verse and then begin to look, go deeper and, and look at it in context. Yes. And I guarantee you, I promise you, it will come alive. Yeah. 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 It's living and breathing. Yep. And yeah. So, all right. This is good. Um, if you want to connect with us, want to hear more, um, you can in email us at info at the cosmic car uh, We would be beyond thrilled. If you would yeah. like uh, this video, subscribe to our channel, um, leave comments um, loved. I will personally respond to each and every comment that comes across. 
And I'm just putting that out there. So if we get a thousand comments today, I got a lot of work to do over the weekend. But I'll help you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. So um, thank you so much, my friend, for uh, doing this with me. Oh. And uh, appreciate everybody that watches this. Um, so we'll be back here again next week. And uh, we'll kind of see over the course of the week uh, what bubbles to the surface for us. And uh, I'm fully convinced that uh, yeah. we'll come back here with something next week that's just hot off the press. So, right. And one thing. One more thing. Yes. God is not mad at you. Right. He's not. He poured out his wrath at the cross and he didn't fill it back up. That's so right. He's not mad. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.